be here tonight. Um, I enjoy just being able to hang out a little bit with your pastor and his wife and, and have the extra addition surprise of getting to hang out with Gary. I was just with him about two weeks ago in the Dominican, so I never dreamed I would see him again here. So it was always nice to do that. But I, I just want to uh, kind of jump in tonight because I have so much to tell you. Um, as Pastor mentioned, uh, a long time ago, I started off as women's basketball coach and, and a college professor. And, and my dream was to co coach at the big level. I grew up in North Carolina where basketball um, rules. And uh, so um, I grew up a huge Tar Heel fan. And so uh, my dream as a young girl was I'm going to grow up one day and I'm going to coach the women's basketball team at Carolina. And uh, so for many, many years, that's where I, boy, I was like, I'm headed to the coaching. And, and the Lord used a lot of different circumstances to rearrange my path on that. Um, but the biggest one uh, that I'll just share with you tonight quickly, the biggest one God used to rearrange my path was teaching college students, working in coaching. Uh, what I realized is, you know, you talk to girls about their relationship with the Lord and always ask, you know, talk to me about your walk with God. And they started telling me that they went to church. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I, I'm assuming that you do go to church. I'm not asking you where you go to church. Uh, talk to me about your, you know, your relationship with the Lord. And, and they, they started telling me like Bible stories and talking to me about wanna, you know, patches and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. And what I learned really quickly was that a lot of young women had a relationship with the church, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And, we, and I just burdened my heart. And, and so... The Lord began to take that burden and he began to create a path for me that was very different than the one I thought I would spend my life doing. And that path led me to leave uh, in 2000, to step away from university, to step away from um, the dean's office where I was at at the time and, and to step away from discipleship training on the college level, which I was loving and doing, and actually to turn and to start traveling and speaking. And for 23 years, I've been having the privilege to be able to do that. And I have loved it. So a very big part of Deerfmore Ministries for up to 2012 was me getting in a plane or a car or whatever and going to women's conferences, women's retreats, and speaking, encouraging women, encouraging college girls, talking to high school girls. I mean, any girl that would listen, I was talking to. And that was much of my life. And then in 2012, God actually used a trip to the Dominican Republic to begin to really open our eyes to the crisis women were in globally. Over the next two years, God just picked me up in a way that I can only explain to you as pretty miraculous. And all of a sudden, I started getting invitations to come to places I had never been invited to come to in my life. Um, Nepal, India, um, we were in Mexico, we were in a tribal villages in locations. And I mean, just the weirdest, strangest places and everywhere I went, the story was the same. It was women in crisis. And I'll, I'll never forget sitting, um, now I'm a country girl from North Carolina. So um, I, I kind of grew up in, you know, having some farm life around me as my grandfather had horses and, and different things. And so, um, but I'll never forget sitting in a tribal village way up in the mountains of Mexico next in a plastic chair next to the biggest sow I had ever seen in my life. Uh, great with at least 150 piglets. I don't know how many were in there and I didn't want to know. But chickens scratching all over the yard and women who had walked over four miles to come weeping, sharing we need a crisis for women. And God began to open up and pull back a curtain and he really over that two year span showed me the crisis for women globally. And you know, when you, it's like, you know, 
I was in women's ministry for all these years, but I really didn't know what the crisis was for women. And I didn't know how bad the crisis was for women. I had heard the term human trafficking back in 2012, but back in 2012, human trafficking was, a, um, was kind of the concept that, you know, somewhere in Southeast Asia, there's a handful of women that are in a really bad spot. But I had no idea what the real crisis was. So as we see here this morning, I think that's our, this evening, I think this is a great way for you to understand. As we see here tonight, over 40 million people are enslaved in human trafficking. And over 80% of those are women. So 32 plus million women are enslaved in human trafficking. Out of that 30 plus million women enslaved, half of those are under the age of 16 years old. And that's just the statistics that are being reported. I believe the numbers are much greater. As I've done my research, I think the numbers are much, much greater but there's a lot of countries that don't want to report bad statistics on their country, so they only report moderate statistics. They won't tell you the real truth. But from what we're seeing, we think the numbers are much more escalated than that. And so God took us on a path of, of creating care partners. That was how we started. And we just came alongside Mercy Jewelry. We came alongside New Hope Girls. We came across other ministries that were out there serving, and we were like, let us just be Aaron and her. You know, we'll just stand on either side of Moses, and we'll just hold your arms up while, while you know, you guys do the work. And, and for years, that's what we did. We've led over 700 women on mission just to the Dominican Republic alone. And really just poured in. We've helped build safe houses. We've helped fill closets with clothes. And, and we've brought women and said, hey, can you be a part of what we're doing? And all the while, though, God was really stirring in my heart. Because I had, I'll ne I had never forgotten a, a, a day in Nepal. I was in Kathmandu. And we were walking down a back alleyway. It was the evening. It was dark. And I came upon um, this this area, and it was almost what you would think. It was an odd place. It was like you're all of a sudden not expecting this, and all of a sudden there's glass. Um, and there are, there's like mannequins in the glass, but these mannequins aren't, aren't, aren't plastic. They're real. And these were women behind the glass. And the lady who was with us was showing us. She said, let me explain to you what you're looking at. She said, this is called a cabin restaurant. And men will come to this restaurant and they will peruse the window till they find someone in the window that they want. They will go inside, order a meal and a window, and they pay for that and that's what they get for the rest of the evening. And I looked at some of these girls' faces and I knew they couldn't have been much more than 15 years old. And I felt so many different emotions, anger. <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, if I could have called down, I was like, Lord, you know an Aiken? You remember how you made that big hole and everything? This would be a good moment for that. <laughs> Lord, do you remember how Rahab, and you brought all the walls down, but you saved Rahab and her family? If you could just save these women and just collapse something on everyone else, that would be awesome. And I'll never, I, I still can close my eyes and, be on that street with all the smells and all the disgust and all of the overwhelming feeling I had that night. And I remember leaving the next morning and going through the mountains and doing some hiking and going up into villages and asking, 
where are all the girls in your village? And they're like, we don't have any girls in our village. There were no girls because they had sold them all. They were starving. Girls were not, didn't have a lot of value. So they sold their daughters for three and four and five hundred dollars, which was more than they would make in a year. And they hoped their daughter would become a maid for someone or that's what they were told. But I knew, and down deep in their heart, they knew that's not what would end up happening to their daughters. And God would not let these things leave my soul. And I prayed, God, one day, send us to where nobody's at and where there are women in crisis, where there's little to nothing being done for women and there's nobody sharing with them the hope and the healing that's found in Jesus. Lord, send us there. And we just kept pressing in and we kept doing what God called us to do and we kept traveling and, and, uh, and uh, we just kept going and doing and, and just trusting God. Well, then COVID hit. And I don't know about you, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but God did not quit when COVID came. He was still very busy at work. And so it was really funny because our board had just passed a COVID budget. Now, Pastor, I, you know what a COVID budget is, right? That's a budget that says we're going to tighten the, everything down and live as lean as we can because we no longer really have any sources of income coming into the ministry. And at that board meeting where we approved that COVID budget, I gave a presentation to our board about the country of Guatemala. And I said, I want you guys to pray Guatemala's in crisis. God keeps bringing it in front of me. All of my research, all of my prayer time, every time I turn around, Guatemala is a hot spot right now and is a crisis for women, and it's only getting worse. And I'll never forget one of my board members raised her hand, and she said, Reba, excuse me, just a small question. We just approved a COVID budget. I said, yes, ma'am, we did. And she said, you're asking us to pray about expanding the ministry? Yes, ma'am, I am. <laughs> and they're like, you have lost your mind. And you know what? And I said, you know what? I know. But would you just pray? And unbeknownst to us, God was, had already, he was already standing at the door. And he was just waiting on our yes. And the minute we gave him our yes, in the middle of a COVID budget, God just kicked the door open and said, go. And I, I wish I, tonight I had time to take you through all of the miracles that God has done. But I was sharing with the pastor today at lunch and his wife. I cannot tell you, I've never seen miracles like I've seen God do over the last two years. Nonprofit paperwork that takes normally two years to get done, we got ours back in six months. Um, a lot of very expensive things that have to be done in country and have to be done a certain way. We had women lawyers, women attorneys, women, um, women accountants coming out of the bushes saying, we heard y'all are gonna, you're gonna help women. We've been praying for years for somebody to come we will do it for you. We'll cover this. And everywhere we turned around, judges were calling our, our director in Guatemala asking for lunch and coffee. And when she would go meet, they were like, we heard y'all are opening a safe house. We, we don't have one. We're begging for something. We've been praying for years. And you know, when we started this journey, God took me to a passage of scripture I want to share to you tonight as before I drop into the slides. And it was in Exodus, it was chapter 3 and chapter 4. Moses is, is, he's in the wilderness now. He's been in Egypt and he, and he, and he attempted a murder 
uh, you know, he killed an Egyptian and then he, he fled for his life when the Israelites confronted him on it. Now he's been in 40 years on the backside of the desert leading sheep and all of a sudden he comes to the burning bush. And I'm reading this in my personal time with the Lord during all of this season. And, and, I, and, and this is what I kept telling the Lord. Lord, Lord, you know that trafficking is a billion dollar industry? And Lord, do you know, Lord, do you know that, that prostitution, or, or let me put it this way, pornography is a billion dollar industry? And do you know very bad evil people run these billion dollar industries? How, how are we going to stop that? It's just too big. It's just too big. I mean, what was I thinking? I've lost my mind, Lord. This was way too big. I don't know what I was thinking. Lord, I just got excited. But I was reading in Exodus, and the Lord, Moses sees the bush burning, and Mo, the Lord speaks out of the bush, and this is what he says to Moses. I have heard the cry of the people, and I have seen their affliction, and I am come down to do something about it. And I think at that moment, Moses was probably like I was at the moment I was reading it. Yes! Hallelujah. Go do it, Jesus. You know, I think he was pumped. I think he was excited. Lord, go get them. But the very next phrase says, come, Moses. We're going to go. And then Moses developed a stuttering problem. And, you know, I understood the stuttering problem. Not any moment prior to that. Prior to that, I gave Moses a really bad rap. Come on, Moses, you big wuss. Come on, Moses. Man up. Go do it. You know, I'm like, what is wrong with him? But boy, on that day, when I read that story, I totally got it. Because I've been stuttering myself. In fear, and in insecurities, and overwhelmed, and unsure as to how in the world we could possibly accomplish what I believed God was setting before us to do. And the Lord just gave me that verse. And he said, Reba, I have I've heard the cry of the women around the world. And I've seen their affliction. And I'm going to come down to do something about it. And you get to be a part of it. So come on. Come on. And I was like, okay. Okay. And that's just what we began to do is just begin to step into what God had for us along the way of the journey. And, and let me tell you just a little bit about Guatemala. Why Guatemala? It's a great question. You know, I was shocked at Guatemala. Guatemala is, is located in Central America. It is not that far below the United States of America. And you would think, well, uh, surely they've got plenty of people down there helping and doing. And that's exactly what I thought. But I was very shocked to find out that is not exactly the case. Guatemala is number three in the world for murder against women. The statistics are shocking as to the violence and abuse for women in a very small country like Guatemala. Our research shows that physical and sexual violence towards women has increased drastically, drastically during the past two years. So during all of the COVID restrictions, when all of the curfews were put in place, bars had to close early and many other, many other places of ill repute had to close early. And as a result of that, um, a lot of violence happened in the streets. And as, and as a result of that, what we began to find is that over 160 women were killed in the first four months of 2021. 
in this little country, the average was one per day. Over 20,000 complaints of violence are reported annually, but there is absolutely no fear at all that anyone is going to be arrested or prosecuted for crimes against women because the system is broken and it is corrupt. In one small Mayan village, it's the one we're working in right now, over 30 women and girls were treated at a local medical clinic. All were raped, all were pregnant as a result. And many that never came to that clinic. And the sad story behind this is that many of these young women do not want their husbands to, under, to know that they have been uh, assaulted by another man and now carry that other man's baby because he would beat them and he would probably beat them to, to, to abort. And so they hide their pregnancies for nine months and they go out in fields and they deliver a baby and they leave that baby in the field and they walk right back into the village. Our director of Guatemala, who you'll meet in just a minute, used to work at an orphanage and she said not hardly a week went by that newborns barely hanging on to life were delivered to our orphanage where they had been delivered in fields. And Guatemala's answer to this is let's just, let's just legalize abortion. And our answer to this is let's bring them Jesus. Let's bring them and introduce them to the hope and the healing that's found in Christ. And let's see if we can help in this. And so we, we just envisioned a very different future for these women in Guatemala than the one that they currently have. And so as we really began to pray and the Lord began to give us a direction, what we realized we needed right away was safe houses. We needed safe locations where women who were, whose lives were threatened, whose women were in crisis uh, at a dire level, could bring them and their children into a safe house and could stay until we could find a safe place for them. So part of our strategy is several safe houses in strategic locations throughout the country. So a woman can be rescued over here. She can go into a safe house here and re-enter life safely and not be back over here where, where the person who was after her is located. And so... But you know, I mean, you don't start like a safe house. I mean, we don't start there, do we, Lord? I mean, that's like a church deciding to start a church at a new place and just building a building. You don't start there. You like find a storefront or something and you invite people there and a house or something and you gradually grow into this. And I kept saying, Lord, I don't think this is the way you're supposed to do this. And the Lord said, really? I don't think I asked you I got the plan for this. And so we began to see how safe house was a necessary thing and very important. So I would love to give you really good news uh, to know that we just, all the final paperwork was just finished two weeks ago. And we now own a property with a safe house on it. And um, we're still paying for it. But we, but it's ours. All right. It's ours. So we're just excited to see what God is doing. But how could we prevent the crisis? Because I'd rather rescue a woman before she gets in that mess than have her in the safe house. How could we put an arm of prevention? And then also not just an arm of prevention, but how could we come alongside of a woman who may, she may not be ready to go into a safe house. How do we help her? And as we're dealing with trafficking, 
severe violence towards women as well as extreme poverty. Women living on less than $2 a day who are barely hanging on with their families. How do we do that? So we created women's training centers. And these training centers, uh, we teach right now, we have three things women are doing. One, they're baking. And um, you can see here, this is Terry, our baking instructor. And she has created a oven you say, that doesn't look like an oven to me. Well, it is. It's chicken wire and aluminum foil. But when a lot of women cook on an open fire on the ground, they, have to figure, how, they don't have an oven. So we had to teach these women, how do you bake a cake when you don't have an oven? With chicken wire and aluminum foil. And so Terry, the lady you see here in the white coat, she actually invented this little thing. And she built it. And... We bring it in and we go into some of the most rural areas in Guatemala, uh, very remote. We deliver food and we start teaching women how to bake cakes, donuts, and breads. And they sell those in their villages by the slice to sustain their family. But 45 minutes it takes for a cake to bake. We get to share with her the good news of the gospel. We get to talk to her about her family. We get to build a relationship with her. And then if she trusts Christ, we get to start the discipleship process with her as she begins to go through. And we have graduated four classes now of baking, three in the same village. And we've just launched a brand new one in a brand new village. And you're going to hear uh, in a video in a minute, one of our graduates, as she shares how God has changed her life through this. But then after they graduate, we will go back then and our guys build them an adobe oven so that they don't have a fire, open fire on the floor because that's a safety hazard for kids. Kids trip on it and most kids, so many kids in Guatemala are burned very badly as a result of tripping and falling into fires. And so this allows us to do that. So this, the, the women's training centers do that. So... Never in a billion years when I was coaching basketball did I think, you know, I think I'm going to go start a coffee company. I think I'm going to go sell leather bags. And I don't love any of that, but if you stop at our table when you leave, you'll see beautiful leather bags. You'll see, you'll see opportunities to get coffee and all kinds of products. Why? So women can stand on their own two feet and they can support their families. And, and those opportunities... You know, Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, well, this is a cup of cold water. Because as we're able to speak into that, it gives us the opportunity to build a relationship and share the good news of Jesus with a woman. And that is fantastic for us just to be able to watch God uh, work in that way. Um, and so we jumped in and got started. We had just crossed the two-year mark. So two years ago, we stepped into Guatemala. We just crossed the two-year mark a couple of weeks ago. And one of our first villages is that village that I told you about with all of the crisis points for the pregnant women. It's the village of El Arado. And we started by conducting a women's Bible study with a craft night or craft uh, project in the afternoon for, all, for pregnant women. And we were so excited. We saw over 30 women come to Christ through that program. And here's the, here's the amazing thing. Not one baby lost. Not one baby lost. So we see that as two lives saved. And if that woman came to Christ, then what we believe to be true is it ends the cycle for that 
little girl or little boy that, that she's holding in her arms. And it's one of the most exciting things. Uh, we're still in that village. We are still building relationships. And we've got a couple classes now that have graduated and they're ready to go. And we're excited about what God is doing there. Um, we have other opportunities, which is a sewing program. And that's where the leather bags and all of that come into. Um, and these women have beautiful skills. So everything is, there's nothing imported. Everything is done straight in Guatemala. And Man, we've just seen God do amazing things through the sewing program uh, and how God is just equipping women. And this is a year program. So these women are with us a whole year. And, and I've loved it to be able to watch. A lot of these women can't read and write. And so as a result of that, we created a program called One Truth, One Story. It goes all the way through the Bible with a little, just a little flashcard concept. One truth, God created the world. One story, the creation story. Next one is, you know, man sinned and broke the world. And then the story of the fall of man. And we jump through and get them all the way to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, why do we do that? Just because I believe God's called us all to, to fulfill the Great Commission, not just the American church. And those women are going to reach women that you and I are never going to reach in a million years. And so we're equipping these women to be disciple makers. We just want, they're going to continue. to. And, and how do they do that if they can't read and write? They're going to learn the stories and they learn to tell the stories. And then they can go in and they can tell another woman how to receive Jesus as her personal savior because they know the truths of the stories and they're able to disciple. It's really exciting uh, to see what God uh, is doing. Uh, we have all kinds of projects that go on. We, we partnered with a medical clinic that helped, has helped us out so much. We, did. we realized other women were working in flip-flops that were falling apart, like duct taped. So we did a shoe project and we got all the women's shoes. This is Maria Jose, our director with the Guatemala shirt on. And this is Terry, our women's training center team leader. And these women, these women are Guatemalan women. They love Jesus and they're the ones leading the charge on the front line for us. So we're pouring into them as they pour into others. And it's exciting to see. And this is the safe house. A safe house is not just a house. A safe house is a place with no triggers. A safe house is a place a woman can come. You know, when you enter your house, if you've gone, gone for a week or, week or so, maybe on a vacation or whatever, and you walk in your door and you're like, ah, we're home. And there's just such a feeling. Well, most women we know have never, ever felt that sensation ever because they've never felt safe. And so this is a place where they're going to receive love. They're going to receive care. Where their children, it's the only safe house of its kind in the whole country of Guatemala. We receive children into the home. And it's an opportunity for us to be able to use trauma-informed care to pour into a woman and for her to be able to know, God is doing a work in my life. And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, is God doing a work. The property that we purchased, it includes a safe house, a training center, offices, a receiving area, and an educational center. Now, right now, these are just buildings that have, were used for a different thing. A family came to us and said, we want to sell you our whole property. And I was like, mm, no, we can't afford your whole property. And again, Holy Spirit's like, really? Who, who said that? And I'm like, well, Lord, you know we can't afford that. It's like, that's not, I didn't say that. Go look. And I went and I looked, and after I got done, I said, like I said, Lord, we can't afford that. And the Lord said, you know what? What if that's what I want to do? Would you trust me in that? And 
I'm like, Lord, that, I was worried about just this house. This is, this is our whole five-year plan all at one time. All the buildings that we need, we'll have to work on them, but it's all the buildings we need all at one time, Lord. I just don't, Lord, I don't know. And the Lord's like, you don't vote. <laughs> Go and trust me or not. And honestly, I, it, this is the kind of conversations that I go around. You would think I'd be so strong in my faith by now, and I'd just be, well, not always. And so I said, all right, Lord. Lord, would you do me a favor? I have 19 people on my board. I want them all to vote 100% to do this. And I knew my board's going to be like, you've lost your mind. Because that's what they said when I said Guatemala. I went to my board. I showed them. I told them the price. I'm like, well, let's just vote. In my mind, I'm like, let's get it over with. (laughs) 100%. Mm -hmm, We're doing this. And I'm like, okay, we're doing this. You know, and um, as a coach, I I used to play before I coached. And and I remember when I used to play big games, really big games, like state championships and national championships, when we used to play, there there was an urgency in my heart that I so wanted to play and I wanted to do really well. And I couldn't wait for that whistle to blow and play. But there was another urgency in my stomach. And it was the flips and the flops. And I felt like I was going to throw up before a big game. Literally, I felt like, but I wanted to be out there, but I felt like I was going to throw up. I still feel that way every day when it comes to this walk with God. I want to do this, Lord, but I feel like I'm going to throw up, Lord. And uh, that's kind of where we have been and watched God. But I'm just going to tell you, God is doing miracles. And we are, we need $400,000 and this property will be completely paid off. And I'm asking the Lord to let us do this by the end of this year. And would you pray with me about that? You say, why the end of this year? Well, we just knocked that one off, and now we can turn and be full intent on pouring in and what we need to do for our women and what we need to do for, for the, the other training centers and for other places. And so we can just knock that one off and get that behind us. And uh, we're just watching God. We're watching God pay for it and do miracles, and I'm, I'm excited. I want to invite you to come and see it. Uh, you can come with us to Guatemala on a trip, and you can see what God is doing there. It's, it's really exciting. Um, but we do need your help. And, and this is what I want to say as, as I close. Um, we need your prayers. We really need your prayers. We need, we, we can't do this without the miraculous supernatural work of God. There's not one of us. I don't have the talent, the skill, the ability. I don't, no way. I'll mess this up every single time. And so will a wonderful team of people that we've put together because we're not enough. We're not the answer. But I'm going to tell you, I know who is the answer. And this is what God gave me, and I'll give you this as I close, and we're going to watch a video, and I'll I'll be done and turn it back over to Pastor. God has given me several object lessons along this journey. And I'm so glad he has because they've they've just been... They've been rocks for me. They've been, they've been watershed events. You know, they've just been moments when I'm like, okay, Lord, I remember what you did for me there and what you taught me there. And there's another simple one that I learned in Sunday school, just like I learned Moses at the bush. But this is a different one. This was a boy with a lunch. And I, God took me to the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and plus. And I was reading it again. And there's this little boy He's got some loaves and some fishes, and 
Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, look, we got to sit these people down and feed them. They've been here a long time. And, and the disciples are like, <laughs> that's funny, Jesus. <laughs> what? you serious, aren't you? You want us to feed these people. Where are we, we kind of, we don't have any food like that. And, and so the disciples scurry and Philip finds this boy and he's got a lunch. And, and, and if any of you have got boys, you understand that a boy parting with his lunch is a really big deal. And Jesus says, hey, can I, can I have your lunch? And the little boy says, yes. And you know the story. The Bible says that Jesus blessed it and he broke it. And he fed all the people there, 5,000 plus, and there were baskets left over. And when I read that story again, the Lord reminded me of the same lessons that are just so simple but so true in my own life. And that is, you know what? Did God need that boy's lunch? No. He could have spoken and Happy Meals would have popped out in front of everybody sitting on the ground. He didn't need that boy's lunch. But I bet you for as long as that little boy lived, he told the story of the day that Jesus took his lunch. And I think he had a bird's eye view to the blessing and the breaking. Because he knew he started with so little and God took that little thing that he had and he did so much with it. And God reminds me all the time, Reba, you're just a girl with a lunch. Just show up with your lunch. And, you know, I want to encourage you, as you think about the missionaries that you serve here, the people that you're a part of in your own community, sometimes we get all intimidated by stuff. But here's the bottom line. All of us have a lunch. All of us do. Some of you have talents and skills and abilities that, we, that, that missionaries desperately need. All of us have a lunch in some shape, form, or fashion. And it's just a matter of just bringing it to Jesus, watching him bless it and break it and do far more with it than we could ever dream and we could ever hope. And so when you pray for us, I want you to think about that. You remember that girl who came with the lunch? And, and pray for Guatemala. And stop by the table and pick up some cards and take them with you and just pray for us um, as we are asking God to do more than we could ever think or ask not for our glory, but for his glory and for the good of these women. And so as I close, I want to show you a, a video and take you to Guatemala. I want to let you see what we've been doing over the past few weeks. And then, Pastor, when this concludes, it's all yours. Our passion here in Guatemala really is to reach in to where these women are in crisis. And to be able to come alongside them and bring hope and healing. We believe that even in that place, God can help her and change her life and make a difference for her. And, and that's really what it's all about. We do feel very blessed that you are here. This is Blanquita and Candelaria learning how to also pass it on to others. This is our third graduation. Mm -hmm. And I give thanks to God 
por darme el privilegio que, que nadie de otra persona se pueda dar a otro. And for me, it's a privilege. It's 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 an act of love that someone has actually cared to teach me. And I'm really thankful for the people who have been taught in me to have the opportunity to be here. Thank you, thank you very much for supporting every class and every material that we've been receiving for us tonight. Hey everybody, welcome to the Women's Training Center. You've been hearing about the great things that we're actually doing right here and we wanted you to get an opportunity to see this. So you can see some of the stuff behind me. It's really amazing. The women are working so hard. They're doing a fantastic job. Uh, and we've got, uh, if you you may want to just look around a little bit, uh, we've got sewing machines happening, leather bags are happening over here, we've got baskets happening over here, pillowcases behind, and we've got all kinds of amazing stuff going on in this room. And really this is all about one thing, it's about giving women an opportunity to be able to learn a skill, to be able to grow in their faith and encouragement so that they can turn around and be able to care well for the families that they love so much. And God is doing amazing things here. So we're super excited. So thanks for just taking a quick glimpse into a women's training center right here at Dare for More Guatemala. We're here in Antigua, Guatemala with Reba Bowman and Dare for More Ministries. And we're buying some, some grocery items to provide some food baskets for some needy people. It will make a phenomenal difference for them to have some things that we take for granted, that we just go to the grocery store, pick up, don't think twice about it. So we're gonna have some fun, pick, up, pick out some fun things the kids will like and make some food baskets that will hopefully make a big difference for some families. let's say, of the population is extreme poverty. That population is very rarely if they get an education, and that's where all of the high statistics comes with bad nutrition, abused, and all of that. So that's 80% of the population. Guatemala is third in the world for murder against women. That's a hard thing to grasp, but a country this size would be that statistic. We've been praying for years. Send us to somewhere in need where there's not a lot being done for women at all. I would love one day to stand here and tell groups that sit in this place, there are multiple safe houses spread out all through this country, and there are, there are many, many, many dozens of women's training centers scattered all through these hills and all through these things where God is doing His work.
man, if something you've heard as I've shown you this amazing miracle that God has done has touched your heart, uh, then I, I just want to challenge you to join us and be a part of this. I think it'll be the greatest investment of your life uh, because this is an eternal investment. To find out more, you can contact me. You can go to our website, www.dareformore.org. And I, I believe that God would use you to be able to give to this place to open these doors and to care for the women and the children that'll be entering these doors over the next few months. So thank you. Thank you for your help. I'm excited and I, I challenge you to join us.